So how many of you were blessed by your words as well? Yeah, I was too. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? What a, what a testimony of God's wonderful grace in speaking to us through other people, which is really, really great. Good, good. Okay, so uh, we're on the fourth message now, and as you can see, it's called Breaking Through into Alignment and Oneness in Christ. Now, we're building all the time, as you know, upon our main title, Breaking Out to Break Through. So we've covered Breaking Out, and now we're going to go into the first one of two, because the next tomorrow is the last one of Breaking Through. So this is kind of relevant, really, for those who have already broken out, or desire to break out or are determined to break out. And I'm hoping that's virtually all of us here today, that we're either determined to break out or we've already broken out of something of the old in order to be able to live and walk along this unknown path that God is calling us to, because that's going to take us into this new era that is the prophetic word of God to this particular church. So breaking through into alignment and oneness in Christ. You know, once we... Can I have my lectern, bro? Would that be possible? Thank you. Otherwise, I'm looking down like this all the time. Once we have engaged our will to break out of the old, we begin to be drawn into a new era of breakthrough. Okay? So once we've used our will to break out of the old, we get drawn into, by the grace of God, into a breakthrough into that new place that God wants us to get to. And I've, I kind of was thinking, as I lay in my bed earlier today, how I can illustrate this. And you know, 50 years ago this month, who knows what happened? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, the first man walked on the moon. And, and I began to think about that. And you know what happens if you understand anything about the science of getting from one place, or from a planet to the moon or another place? You have to break out of orbit, don't you? Because once you get into a certain speed, you lock into orbit, and then you have to go faster. I think the breakout speed is 25,000 miles an hour. And you break out of the orbit of the Earth, and you're on the trajectory to get you to the moon. So the first half of it, or it's probably not half, I'm not... I've got my mask quite right there, but a certain portion of the journey from the Earth to the Moon, you've got the Earth's gravity trying to pull you back, so the speed is getting less and less and less until you get to a halfway point, as it were, and then the Moon's gravity starts to pull you in. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is that the breaking out session, or the breaking out process, would be a better word of putting it, way of putting it, is that we have to, as it were, use our will to tap into the grace of God to receive that grace, to be determined in our hearts to pursue whatever God is calling us into to break out of this orbit or break out of whatever it is God's called you to break out of. It could be pride, it could be unforgiveness, it could be jealousies, it could be fears, it could be anger, and all those things we covered this morning. Whatever God has touched your heart about, you've got to break out of it. And when you've broken out of it, as I'm saying, you start eventually to get drawn by the grace of God into something new. Can you see what I mean? But we have to be absolutely determined today to break out of that which God has alerted us to. Because that's what he does in his wonderful grace. He alerts our hearts. We call it conviction. And we know that God is calling us out of something. And we have to develop that breakout speed, that, 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 that ability to get away from the grip of the sin or the grip of the selfishness or the grip of the stronghold so that we can eventually get drawn into the breakthrough 
that God has got for us. So surrender to the will and purpose of God ushers in fresh grace and desire for alignment and oneness. So you might be thinking, alignment to what? Well, God is calling us to be aligned to his prophetic word, aligned to the call of God that is coming through the body of Christ, speaking words from the Holy Spirit concerning us as individuals, but as each one of us corporately as a church. And over the next few months, no doubt, Ben and the leaders are going to start to bring what they're sensing, what it means to develop this ability to come into this new era. Already Ben's outlined for us those eight points on his wheel. And we've already started to go to places that are stirred up our spirit. And God is going to start to call us and draw us into the fruitfulness of pursuing those particular things. Our old independent mindsets fall away. And the brokenness we engaged in at the cross brings about an inner metamorphosis characterized by humility. This board's been up a few times already, isn't it? What happens from there to there? It's called metamorphosis, yeah? God is changing us, bringing us into a new thing. Does that grub have to know all the science about becoming a butterfly? Not at all. Does it have to do anything special and use its will to do this and the other? Not at all. It's just got to be follow the process. It's got to be drawn by the chemical process of creation within it, and it emerges as a butterfly. And that's what God is doing. As you've used your will to escape, he's then going to draw you in and form you and fashion you into the new creation that he's got for you in his heart. So it's no longer about my ministry or my rights, but serving his will and the corporate one thing. And the corporate one thing is going to be revealed to us. I'm not even going to try and spell it out because it's bigger than I can spell out. I don't even quite know what this one thing is really. And I'm sure the elders are thinking, okay, Lord, we need your grace. And you remember one of the first points that I brought up on the first session about this unknown path? What was the vision? It was to be discerned. Yeah? To be discerned. Because if I say, yeah, it's going to be this, 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 and this, and this, who's worked that out? me. What is it going to be? God. God's going to reveal to us prophetically what this one thing is. And we get some idea as we wait on the Lord. And as I was praying <coughs> excuse me, a few months ago about this, <coughs> the Lord showed me a picture of, a, of two torches. And one torch at a wide angle beam and when you shone it onto a black surface, the, the illumination illuminated quite a large area of this black surface, but it was kind of dim because it was trying to cover lots of space. And then the next torch was one that was focused and was enabling just a sharp, bright beam to just illuminate a smaller patch on the black surface. And I've got a little illustration here. Oh, my clicker's not working. Have I clicked the wrong thing? Hang on a sec. Hmm. All right, I can do it with my hands, okay. There we go. <clears throat> now, look at that. Isn't that great? I pulled that off Google Images. It illustrates perfectly what I saw in my spirit. Here's a torch, look, and it's got a wide angle coming into a narrow beam. And the narrower the beam comes, the more concentrated it becomes. Have you noticed that? And I believe the Lord is saying to us as a fellowship, 
We've got to come from the place of being everything to everything, focusing and serving the one thing. Okay, whatever that is, and God will reveal that to us. But it will involve some sacrifice. It will involve some sensing, okay, I'm serving what God is saying to this church. I'm coming into alignment of the one thing that, that God has got for us. And therefore, my ministry will have to submit to that one thing. Now, the chances are that ministry will come into a point where it is focusing in and creating that one strong beam. Or maybe, and we have to come to a place in our hearts where we're ready for this, maybe it's served its day. Maybe it's come to the end of the academic year. Remember that illustration? And we're coming now into something different. And I've had to lay stuff down. In fact, nothing's forever, is it? You know, even in creation shows us that things have a life span, life cycle. And sometimes our ministries come to an end if they cannot serve what the new era demands. And are you willing to say, Lord, it's not my ministry. I've been bought with a price and not my own. I am to glorify God in my body. And so, Lord, you take it. I lay it down. I put it on the cross. If you want to bring it back to life again, great. If you don't, that's fine too. Because I'm a surrendered man, a surrendered woman of God. That's what God may be calling us to. Because remember in the story where we get the phrase one thing from, it was Martha and Mary, wasn't it? Martha was busy doing lots and lots of stuff. And Martha was great, bless her. You know, what would happen if she didn't do all that stuff? There'd be pots and pans everywhere. The house would be stinking, wouldn't it? So praise God for Martha's. But if Martha's only got that frenetic rushing around doing loads and loads of things, then again, Mary's portion, Mary's choice was better because she focused on the one thing. She focused on Jesus and his word because that's what she did. She sat and listened to his word. And we are to be those who sit in our hearts and wait for the word of God to come and say, Lord, we're going to align ourselves with your purpose individually and corporately. And whatever you say, Father, we are going to break through into something new because of that. That's our heart. And my second little to torch, which I nicked off Google again. Sorry, it doesn't work. <laughs> is that one there? Which is, look at that strong beam. Isn't it amazing? Can you imagine when a church is aligned to the one thing, the power of that beam reaches far and wide. Do you know, when I was a kid, I used to love to get those powerful torches. And I used to have them on the box, can illuminate up to one mile ahead. I thought, wow, that's amazing. So I'd get this, and I couldn't wait for the night to go out and shine it on all these buildings in the distance. And that's what happens when we're aligned. That's what happens when we're focused. That's what happens when we surrender whatever it takes to get that power, that concentration, that focus. And then people will see us like a lighthouse in the dark place, shining forth with brightness for God's glory. So is God streamlining us to conform more to the demands of the new era that builds upon its original prophetic foundation? You see, it seems to me, I've spent some time with Stephen, who was part of the original team in those days, that there was a passion to reach out to the local area, to the schools in the time, to the local people. And I know I'm talking to the elders here in Ben which is an elder as well, of course. <laughs> uh, I've, been, I've been getting this sense from them that God is saying, this is a season for evangelism. It's part of your one thing. Are you ready to embrace that one thing? 
Don't just say, oh, we're waiting for an evangelist to come along. The scripture says, do the work of an evangelist. Now, I'm not an evangelist. In fact, if, you do, if I do a, a, a test of my fivefold mix, that's the apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, guess what comes last? Evangelism. But two weeks ago, uh, one of the churches we work with, my daughter and, uh, and son-in-law run it, and they felt that they needed to go out on the streets. So I said, I'm going to choose. I just read a book called The Ultimate Treasure Hunt. Anyone ever read that book? Great book. Great read. And it says, if you wait on the Lord, God will give you prophetic pictures or nudges about who you're going to meet when you go on the streets. So I was with this other guy, and we were praying away. And you know what I saw? I saw people walking with a little dog through the, se- the town center of Pontypris. What a ridiculous thing to see. I think... That's ridiculous. I'll never see anybody walking through Pontypridd with a little dog and a lead because I've never seen it before. And Pontypridd is only a small town and people don't tend to walk their dogs to a town. I couldn't believe it. There was loads of people walking dogs through Pontypridd. I stopped four of them and three of them, well, all of them were, were open and sensitive and allowed me to talk to them and three of them wanted prayer for me. It's amazing. Now, they didn't come to the Lord, but we sowed some seeds at that point in time because of the promptings of the Lord. And I'm getting excited even as I talk now because I believe that's what God's calling you as a church into. Personal outreach and evangelism is part of what the eight objectives were as well. And get behind it, guys. Get aligned to it. And don't think we're going to wait on the sidelines. You can be part of it just by being part of the prayer team even. Or you can be part of the, the, the practical team that might serve. But you can certainly get on the streets because I'm not an evangelist and I couldn't believe the openness of people. People are really open. Let's say 50% are open. Yeah, you're going to get 50% slam the door on your face or say, oh, I don't want to bother that rubbish, things like that. You have to get a bit of thick skin by retaining a soft heart. But you've got to go for it because there's a 50% waiting to say, oh, yeah, well, I wouldn't mind some prayer. I've got a bad back. And in, in the town, we had these healing chairs. And the people coming, and they were sitting on these chairs. They weren't Christians. And people were praying for them. And there was a few testimonies of miraculous healing took place just there in that hour. It's amazing. So get into that. That's part of the alignment, I believe, that God is bringing about. So are we willing to ask the Lord what this might mean for us individually? We mentioned ministry. What about your values? What about your heart reactions? What about if the elders have to come to you and say, you know, your ministry has been amazing. We love what you've done. But maybe you need to put it aside for a time being. They probably wouldn't do that. But what if they did? How would you react? Is your heart yielded? Are you ready to say, Lord, whatever it is, you take it. I hold it lightly. Because that's where we've got to get to if we're going to break through into a new place. We need to develop a heart of interdependence. Interdependence. So God wants us to become codependent upon him. I mentioned that this morning, didn't I? Okay? Because as I said this morning, Jesus could do nothing. And yet, when we are codependent on him, guess what happens? We are connected to him. And therefore, his life comes into us, and the reverse happens. I can now do all things through Christ is my strength. Can you see? But you can't get to that bit until you come to the point I can do nothing. I have to be totally codependent on Jesus. And when I'm codependent on him, I can become independent, not of him, but be in the capacity that I have to go and do what he calls me to do. Can you see that? 
That's the first thing we need to see. I put a few crib notes in. Yeah, it's a bit too dark to read without these, huh? Okay. <clears throat> yeah. If we are codependent on people, then that just perpetuates our problem. We never get free. But when we're codependent on him, we can become set free to do amazing things, to do all things through Christ, who's our strength. So codependency. We need to be independent lovers of God. Though no one, no, though no one joins me, still I will. Yeah. We have to be independent in that sense. I'm not going to be influenced by my friends or my family or my neighbors. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. So codependent on him. Independent in the sense of I'm going for it. Whatever it takes, whoever comes against me, I'm still going to go for it. So I'm an independent lover of God and his kingdom and interdependent members of his church family. What does interdependent mean? It means that I'm, I receive whatever I need from the Lord, and I want to give whatever God gives me to other people. And I love my brothers and sisters, and I lean upon them because they are members of the same family. And I love them, and we are together in this fight. We are an army. We are a band of brothers and sisters who are forging together along a common purpose towards a common goal to break through into a new era. That's interdependence. And so when we get to that place, we can start to break through into that new place. On the unknown path, we need one another. We need to become a brotherhood of oneness and communitas. Communitas. I come back to that. A brotherhood of oneness and communitas. You see, the word brotherhood, as I've mentioned before, conjures up bad connotations these days, doesn't it? It conjures up things like ISIS and all that horrible evil stuff. But, but take away all the evil out of them, and they've got something that Christians haven't quite got. They've got a togetherness. They've got a commonality. They've got a common vision, and they're going for it, and they're aligned. Now, let's get rid of all that and say we need to become a brotherhood of love. A brotherhood of Jesus' love. A brotherhood of oneness. A brotherhood who leans upon one another. Who are joined to one another. We are a building, not just of a pile of bricks that's loose and can be stolen away. But we are a building that's cemented together by the bonds of love. That's what it means to be a Jesus brotherhood. And Peter exhorts us to pray for the brotherhood, he says in 1 Peter 5. Pray for the brotherhood because brotherhood is really great. It's a great concept of being one together as a family of God. And the word communitas means the spirit of community. I don't know if you've ever been amongst guys and girls and you're having an amazing time and there's just a flow of love and oneness and light and you feel, wow, this atmosphere is incredible. This feels like a little foretaste of heaven. This must be what it's going to be like to live on the new earth. That's communitas. And God wants to bring us into places, in our cell groups, uh, in our triplets, in our gatherings together as a communitas, where we love one another with a Jesus love. A Jesus love. And as leaders, we've got to really receive our mantle here of responsibility 
to ensure that brotherhood, communitas, is flowing freely. So that anybody who comes to us to receive ministry or to receive care or to share a fault or to be corrected in some way, they need to receive it in the spirit of love and meekness and grace and humility and compassion. Any one of us leaders or any one of us Christians who've got any maturity that are going to be treating people with a measure of harshness, we need to get a life. We need to recognize that that's a symptom of immaturity. That's a symptom of a stronghold. We need to be the most loving, the most gracious people around. Not that we're soft. Not that we skate around the issue. We are very direct about the issue, but we do it with a manner which is godly, which is like Jesus, which is compassionate, which is caring. And there was an old phrase I often used called carefronting. Confronting issues with a caring heart. Otherwise, you will find people in our church who may have been touched by God and want to confess a fault or, or, or ask for some sort of ministry, but they're scared to come to us because they think they'll receive some harshness or some flippant uh, dismissal comment or something like that. There's a big calling upon our hearts as leaders and mature Christians to wear the robes of love and righteousness when we come to people. Kingdom oneness is poles apart from unity or a show of unity. I got an interesting slide here, look, make you laugh. <clears throat> a mere show of unity is rarely attractive and never truly transformational, is it? <laughs> there they are, all looking one and united, but they're clearly not very one or united, really, are they? Even though they may look that way. And that's what happens when we just go for unity. By all means, go for unity, but this is the first rung of the ladder. Oneness is what Jesus is after. Oneness is what he prayed here in this next slide. The glory that you've given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. You know, one of Ben's eight uh, characteristics of this new era was that we would be those who are attractive to those who are looking for Jesus. When they see love's oneness amongst us, that becomes the most attractive factor around. And we need to crave this oneness. We need to be saying, what can I do to assist, to facilitate, to contribute towards this oneness? Whatever it is, Lord, I want to do my part. I want to play my part. I hope you're getting fired up at this point in time. Come on, I want to see a bit more fired upness. Okay, because we've got to get fired up to the Otherwise, it's just words, guys. We've got to get to a place where we say, yes. I don't want this unity. I want oneness. You know, we can wear a uniform or a smile or belong to a golf club or all the rest of it, and we can have the same opinions and we can have even the same doctrines, but that's not oneness. That's just shallow unity. We can still be proud and arrogant and sinning and being secret about everything and being snubbing and gossipy and snidey in our comments and harsh and bitter and so on. That's unity. Oneness has to get rid of that stuff in order to be real about what God is calling us to as a church. Get it behind this with all your passion and all your heart. You see, in this passage behind me, Jesus prayed that 
he had been given glory and he wants to give us the same glory that he had when he was with his father the same glory why so that we may become one in the same way that he and the father are one wow he wants that's why oneness is so vastly different and poles apart from just unity because it's the same oneness that he enjoyed with his father he's given to you to have so he's given us glory look at it again he says the glory that you've given me i have given to them why that they may be one in other words you can't be one unless you've got a glory of god so you can't conjure up this one you can't religiousize this oneness it's got to come from the inside of us it's got to come on the back of a breakout into what god is calling us to so we can break through into oneness and then the world will see that you have sent me and loved them even as you've loved me that's what happens on the back of our determination to do whatever it takes to receive this oneness by receiving this glory without receiving the glory we cannot be one we can be united but not one and that's the greatest prayer that Jesus cried in fact the theologians call it the high priestly prayer of Jesus that's the reason he died that's the reason he came that's the eternal purpose of god wrapped up there that they may be one why why did god create human beings in the first place so that he could replicate the oneness of heaven on earth and that's what happened in the garden of eden before the fall adam and eve were perfectly one with the animals and the plants and then sin wrecked it but all throughout he's tried to gather a people to redisplay this oneness and you look at all the types and shadows of israel and they blew it time and time again and we look at that more tomorrow but they came eventually to that place and uh, when um, then moses looked across from the mount towards the promised land and they marched in as a oneness band of brothers and sisters and took the land for god and that's what he's calling us to do we've got to get to that place where glory saturates our hearts glory is the very essence and atmosphere of heaven it is becoming immersed and enveloped by this atmosphere as we empty ourselves of self and wait on him in total dependency expectancy and reliance that's what oneness is that's what glory is as his glory descends our hearts are filled up our thoughts our emotions our decisions our heart love are flooded with the presence of god and we become one with him that's what happens in there did you feel it in the worship wasn't that worship amazing if i was going to say let's clap these let's clap these guys shall we i thought they were amazing tonight i thought they were amazing yesterday absolutely brilliant we sensed the oneness with god i can't start to dance did you notice because i was filled with a sense of wow yeah i'm one with jesus and that passion inside me makes me want to love you and be one with you because that's the outflow of the reality of being one with him how can you say you love god or you can't see if you can't love your brothers or you can't see conversely you know we do love god we can't see because we love our brothers who we can't see he can't see 
And that's the acid test again. It's this oneness that God is after. Okay, so I said the natural outflow of this oneness with God will automatically display itself in oneness and alignment with God's purpose for us as a church. Our inner motivations then become aligned for God's glory. So let me come towards an end. I want us to talk now my final little section here, becoming aligned to his vision and his purpose. You know, I got a picture here. I want to show you a picture. Don't work. <laughs> um, there we are. That's called Preacher's Pulpit in Norway. And if you've ever seen it before, what a place to be, eh? And I've called this little slide Ascending from Our Pleasant Plateau. Now, as a church, as I said right from the beginning, you've got so much to celebrate and thank God for. And in a sense, you're on a plateau. Because to get to that place has been a big climb, isn't it? From the bottom. You've done amazingly well. You've got to this pl plateau. And as people would do when they've climbed that height, they break out their picnics and they just relax in the sun and so on. They've made it. And hallelujah, we need to do that. It's absolutely vital to celebrate certain points on the journey. But what would happen if those people stayed there for the rest of their lives? <laughs> they'd probably die because they'd have no food. But they would basically miss out on the purpose of life, wouldn't they? And in a sense, you see, this new era that we're being called to go towards is taking us from the pleasant plateau once we've celebrated enough in order to go on to the next place. And here's a couple of guys who are determined to get off the pleasant plateau and head for the heights where the mountains and the snow are. And God is calling us from this pleasant plateau into the greater things that he's got for us on the unknown path that takes us to the new era. And we've got a couple of scriptures here um, of that famous passage in Proverbs 29, 18. Where there's no vision, the people perish, or where there's no prophetic revelation, the people cast off restraint. And so vision is so important to galvanize a group of people behind something, a cause, to go for it. And that's why it's wonderful that Ben shared what he did earlier today to get us to a place that we know where we're going towards. We know this is a goal. This is the purpose that we receive from God. This is what it looks like when we're going towards that new place that he's called us to. So we need to come to a place where we are prepared to do whatever it takes to winkle our backsides off the pleasant plateau and take another step towards the next goal. Are you ready for that? Yeah, amen. That was a great positive response. I'm glad to know that you're ready for that. Now, some of you may, may have not quite been so enthusiastic. We understand. We understand. We love you. We want to be as patient as we can. But we want to bring everybody with us. We don't, no one is left behind. Amen? Have you ever seen that film with Mel Gibson? What was it called? We Were Soldiers. And, and his motto, he was a Christian, he was, in the film, and he is, I suppose, in real life too. But in the film, he's a Christian, and he, and he believes that he has the commanding uh, soldier, the, the, the sergeant in the, in the outfit, he said to every single guy, none of you will be left behind. Even if you die on the battlefield, we'll bring your body home. And in the picture, everybody is lifted off the ground in the end. The last slide of the, of the, the movie, they lift it off and go home. And I want us to say that to us, that that's the spirit of God in there. That no one is going to be left behind. If you want to come on this journey, if you want to get into the new era, we're going to be as patient and as loving and as gracious as we can. 
We want to help you into the place that God has got for each one of us. Amen? But at the same time, guys, if you're saying in your heart, I don't want anything to do with this. I didn't sign up to SCF for this. Then we love you so much. Maybe this isn't the place for you. We have to say things like that because we're on a pathway. We're pursuing a purpose. We're pursuing a vision. We don't want to lose you at all. And I'm sure none of us are like that anyway here. But I want us to be real about this. I want us to have a line in the sand and I want us to step over it. And we'll be doing that tomorrow. I want us to step over into a commitment to what God is calling us to as a church. This is real time. This is radical time. This is decision-making time. And we're going for whatever God has called us to. See, there's power in kingdom alignment. I want to remind you of another picture I gave into this church uh, some time ago. I didn't actually show you the picture, but I spoke about it because God gave it to me just before standing up. And it was this picture here. You remember that? The picture of alignment in the magnet. When you draw the magnet together, all the molecules are aligned together and become a power force that they couldn't be apart from that. And that's a great picture, again, of what God's calling us to, to align with his purpose. So align for God's revealed purpose and vision. We need to refresh our corporate vision and values in our hearts. Bring every activity that we're involved with into alignment with them, ensuring alignment and great fruitfulness. <coughs> Excuse me. Here comes another little series to illustrate the point. Use the effects of alignment with the purpose of God. The purpose of God in Christ for you in SCF is represented by that first cylinder. This is the purpose of God that's going to be revealed and already is being revealed to the, to the leadership. It's the purpose of God for, in Christ for you and SCF. If we are determined to align to it, we are then become connected together in Christ and receive a prophetic download. That again has already started to happen. And then we get to this point. Interdependent, together in love, we express our purpose for the glory of God. At least I'm getting some exercise going back and forth here, aren't I? Abiding in the vine with the other branches in purity of heart, we receive prophetic purpose and grow in servant-heartedness, strength, and powerful oneness. Who's up for that? Who's going to shout amen? amen? You're getting Pentecostal, I can hear it. Okay, this is what happens if we don't do it, mind. The same purpose of God in Christ for you in SCF is still the heart of God and will always remain the heart of God because he loves you so much. And he'll always have a blueprint for you. He'll always have a plan for you. He'll always have a desire to cause you to become great for his glory. However, if we, through fear, pride, and independence or passivity, we become disconnected in part from God's one thing and perpetuate an all-encompassing but blurred vision. That's what's going to happen if we don't step over the line and say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm going for it. Because you are the one to whom I submit my heart to. But if we don't do that, because of these other things, these things we should have broken out of, or at least have a heart to break out of by now, then we're not going to come into that kind of alignment. And what will happen at the back of that? Our relationships may slump into self-centered dead works of shallowness and niceness. A treadmill of mediocrity becomes the downward path and people may come and go as they please. This is the warning I really felt prophetically in my spirit. And 
That's, this is what happens. People eventually disappear because they're loose bricks, easily picked up and taken away. But when we are built into a brotherhood of oneness, that becomes so much more difficult. So we need to count the cost. And we need to step over that line. As I say, we'll be giving you an opportunity tomorrow to do that into a full commitment for God's glory. So I'm going to close what I want to share. We've just got about three or four minutes left. I always like to finish on time if I can, much to Craig's joy. <laughs> and so I want us to end with a prayer of dedication. But hold these things in your heart. God has spoken again tonight for his glory. And God is calling us as a church to break into something new and to come into a place of this new era. Let's just pray before we hand back the mic. <clears throat> Father God, we have considered other things yet again tonight, Lord. Lord God, we've considered the whole principle that you called us to, to become one, to be aligned with your call, your heart, your purpose for us as individuals and as a church. And we are saying in our hearts, yes, Lord. Whatever it takes, yes, Lord. Lord, you can count on me. Father God, we just pray for special grace, for special revelation to grip our hearts, to become a place of inspiration, of great excitement in the Holy Spirit, of great passion to say, yes, whatever it takes, I'm for it. I want to be with you. I want to go to where you're taking us, Lord. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for myself and us as leaders here that you give us abundant grace to fulfill the purpose that you've called us to. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.